This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode does not contain spoilers, but brief mentions of the following are included. Romeo and Juliet, Crescent City 2, House of Sky and Breath, The War of Two Queens, and The Demon Tide. For full list, please see our show notes. Additionally, there are also discussions surrounding sex work and insects. Hi, everybody, and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong. And we are very excited because we're doing this in April, and April is Shakespeare's like favorite month. So you know it's, what? Why not? Yeah, I had no idea. I think we were just like BSing around or something, and it winds up being like April is the month that he mentions most throughout all of his work. So it's just kind of been like, okay, this is we're gonna make April Shakespeare month. And so here we are. Yeah, here we are with a Romeo and Juliet retelling. And uh, boy, do we have a lot to say. Um, I want to say right off the bat, big ick for me. Big <sighs> ick with the, with the bugs for me. Um, gross. And I had a really hard time with that aspect of the story. I didn't realize that I would need to check my triggers for bugs until this. And so every very descriptive moment in this book about the bugs and how they're found and the, the, the ick all under the skin. It was a lot. It was a lot. So we'll probably just casually just talk about the bugs and move on when they're referenced in this episode. Um, but yeah, but they're the huge, they're, they're part of the huge plot point. Yeah, they are. They're a huge plot point. And they're also, you know, you can also take the plot point as like a giant metaphor because, you know, we're smart. We can do that. That's what it is. <laughs> we're critical thinkers. We can see the metaphor when it's in our faces. But yeah, big ick, though, if we're just taking it for face value. Gross. Um, Jess, this is a Romeo and Juliet retelling. We have the characters in the book, but we are also very familiar very familiar with Romeo and Juliet characters in the play. So they kind of match up here. Do you have a rundown of that for us? Yeah. So um, Juliet Tsai is Julia Capulet, and she has, you know, she's of Chinese background. You have Roma Montagov, who is, as we know, Romeo, and he is Russian. You have Marshall, who is Ro- Roma's friend, who we kind of assume, you know, he's probably Mercutio. Um, Benedict is Benvolio. Tyler is Juliet's cousin, Tibble, as we know. Um, then th- there's some, you know, you instead of the Montagues and the Capulets, obviously you have, instead of warring families, they're warring gangs. So you have Juliet's gang that her family oversees, known as the Scarlets. And then you have Roma's family overseeing the White Flowers, you also have um, the Lang siblings who are triplets, one of them being Rosalind, who we know in the traditional story as Rosaline. And um, we're assuming Paul Dexter is probably, you know, Paris. And he's named Paul after Paul Rudd, who plays Paris. And 
through some of the interviews that we um, kind of did a little research on and we'll have in the show notes, that Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, which if you follow the podcast, you may or may not know we did an episode on, he that's Chloe Gong's favorite version of Romeo and Juliet. So we're assuming that maybe that's the correlation there, having Paul Dexter as Paris, um, who his story kind of... Um, unravels in a way that you don't see in the traditional sense. Yeah, that's a really good summary. Great. Great job. Oh, and then there's Elisa, who is Roma's sister in this retelling. Yeah. Would you say that this is an exact retelling, though? Or would you say it's influenced slash inspired by? I don't know the difference, so I don't want to speak on it officially, but I would say that this is um, like a... like an inspired by if if I had to give it like some sort of label um, because it's not like a direct retelling. Um, You know, you and I were talking earlier, it doesn't match up uh, with the story. You know, they've aged out. There's like other shit going on. Um, They didn't unalive themselves. (laughs) Yeah, they're still there. Um, Yeah. So I I think, you know, that is just my, that that, that is just like my like cold opinion. Um, But Something that really um, kind of stuck out to me here that I just want to say up front is that I really like this story, even with the big ick with the bugs and like, um, I really like this story. I like it a lot. I would love this even more if it didn't have to um, stand on the scaffolding of the Romeo and Juliet story. If it didn't have to kind of adhere itself to those um like plot points and kind of character arcs and kind of, you know, if it was, if you took all that away and this was just like 1920s Shanghai and like everything was kind of the same, but like Juliet wasn't Juliet. She had a different name. It just, we didn't have that. We didn't have any of that. And there, it was just like the story. And then we could focus more on like the politics and everything instead of trying to, I'm going to say force, but that's not really the, the word that I'm thinking of, but like, the romance here wasn't romance. It was it was more like a tension kind of situation. That that's fine. But in the back of my head, while reading this story, my thought was, this is a Romeo and Juliet retelling. Instead of this is a really great story about a place that I'm kind of unfamiliar with that I would like to know more about. That's no, where I, I'm at. I, I agree. And again, I, I had it's referenced in one of the interviews where Chloe Gong had even said it wasn't initially Romeo and Juliet wasn't initially what she was building the story around. She wanted to build the story around 1920 Shanghai. And we had also spoken um, prior to recording how when you think of the 1920s, at least for us, um, we're pretty like you think of Chicago, you think of 1920s or you think of Gatsby. Um, and that just shows like what our between pop culture and, you know, obviously growing up in the States, that's kind of our familiarity with the 20s. So to hear, um, you know, just like a different perspective, to hear, you know, you hear about, you know, the referencing of the opium wars and like the rise of communism and just how people are looking for, like, who's our common enemy? the white man coming to take over. Like we got to put our, you know, our blood wars aside and look at the bigger picture here. It's so intriguing. And it makes you wonder, like you said, 
maybe maybe the Romeo and Juliet was the selling point. Maybe that's how it had to be pitched in order for it to be sold and to be picked up and maybe integrated for the editor, you know, and obviously you have stories where you have um you know, you have your original manuscript and then your editor comes back with the feedback and maybe there was that feedback to say, "Hey, here's some ideas." Um but if you change the names, I think we would have been like, "Oh, it's kind of like Romeo and Juliet." You would have made that that um association just kind of like with when you're reading Akatar, you go oh this is kind of like uh you know uh, beauty and the beast or when you're reading crescent city 2 spoiler um the little mermaid <laughs> with the th- with therion so um I-, I feel like we could have made different names but maybe it was just like the selling point because roma this it goes back to the jla of it all like malik malek like really <laughs> we could have done roma romeo but but Juliet, Juliet. That doesn't take away, yeah. But it doesn't, and, and even later in the book, they even say when they were trying to do um, fake names, and they're like, "Oh, and this is Montague." He goes, "Really? That's the best really? you could come up with?" He goes, "That sounds a te- that sounds like an Italian, Italian common communist." And she goes, "There's Italian communists here." <laughs> so, all that aside, it doesn't take away from the plot and the story. No, it really doesn't. It really doesn't because the plot here, uh, is kind of like a old detective film noir type situation. Like this is very much a detective story and I really like that. Um, but, uh, like Juliet is absolutely the main character. She is our, she is our like, uh, like tired, responsible kind of like, trying to fight the good fight, broken down, like, good detective in in that, like, trope, right? Like, she's that. And then Roma's the femme fatale that comes in and is like, I got a problem. (laughs) I need you to help me solve it. And, like, and and that that is that kind of situation. And it works really well, too, I feel like, in this setting, because the way that... um, the world building is done here is very detail oriented. We have like reflections of, you know, like puddles on the street and the way that buildings are slanting and how buildings were built around each other and, you know, oil lamps here and like soots and, you know, um, the, how the tables are sticky. So we have a lot of these details to build a world that is kind of like 1920s glamour flapper because Juliet is very much an American flapper. Uh, so that that world building is done so well with the film noir situation, adding on top of it kind of a, I hesitate to say magical. I don't want to say magical. What is it? There's a monster, but it's, but, but I, but I don't think it's a monster. Like, it's like an organic, but, but Lawrence does say that it is not like, um like natural like so it was like made right i almost thought of it as like a like a because they talk about it and that's referenced in the beginning of the book uh, with the white flowers having pharmaceutical labs Mm -hmm. right so there's clearly labs and there's there's some behind the scenes stuff going on and you know maybe things don't um kind of festered or you know became created in these labs, whether it was intentional or not. And, and you know, that's, that's kind of feels like where it stems from. I don't know. It's just, it's just really interesting. Um, I really love Juliet. Jess, do you really like Juliet? Juliet 
I loved. I love that she was kicking ass. She was taking names. I love that it felt whenever there was something happening, um, it, it's the thing that you always say, like, she did the damn thing. She does it. She killed her first person at 14. Um, and whether, you know, and there was something that she said where she created this persona for herself, more or less, where it's like two truths and a lie. And everybody thinks now that she's this, you know, this, this, this killer, you know, and that, that, that keeps her protected because people don't want to fuck with her. Oh, no, no, don't, no, no, Miss Juliet, you're, you're fine here. We'll pretend we never saw you. And, and she gets, she is well aware that that paired with her family name and who her father is, who's the lead of the Scarlets, um, that, that gives her a lot of clout. And she also uses that for good, especially with her cousins. You know, she knows that if she's the one who, um, you know, with like the Amethyst story, she made everybody think that she was the one who knocked Amethyst out. So, because she wasn't going to deal with the repercussions of her actions. So I respect her that she's this badass, but she also cares. About, like when she cares about you, she deeply cares about you. Well, and that is the perfect segue because what what is this book about? This book is about Roma and Juliet um, meeting when they were 14, 15, falling in love, getting caught, and then... Um, she got shipped off to the States. Right, right, yeah. So, but then Roma's dad found them out, right? So, like, like full, like, he, Yeah, out. he had them trailed or something. We yeah. Roma's dad found out that Roma and Juliet were, like, a thing. They call themselves quote lovers which bothers me but whatever um so roma gave so roma's dad gave roma a choice right and said uh you, you, have you to need kill to her. yeah you have to kill her yeah and then and roma came back and it was like yo what about this um you kill more people but juliet would be protected he and- kind of positioned it that it wasn't about it wasn't about juliet he was like oh no there's like i i kind of had like this, this other whole, thing going yeah, yeah. Yeah, trying to save face and stuff. Uh, so he, so Roma is directly responsible for killing a lot of Scarlet Gang members, which is Juliet's gang, um, including her nurse. So like, nurse is out of the picture before we even meet her, which is kind of sad. Uh, and then Juliet gets shipped to America, and she is there um, for like four years or however long. I think like for like the way I see this, it, like she went to high school abroad. Yeah. Yeah. And, but Roma stayed in Shanghai. And then the book starts with them coming back together. So that is the backstory that we get through like flashbacks and stuff, right? Like they had this kind of like childhood first love, really sweet, like. Well, and then once they, they realized who each other were, they just didn't want to talk about it because they were like in a, in a different, because that, that line even comes up during the flashbacks. She's like, what would I do if I wasn't a Psy? And he was like, be a, be a Montagoth. Like, and she, you know, you, you, that's all, that's sweet, that's first love, all that stuff. Um, but it's just in a perfect world. We're not going to pretend who we are. We're just going to be each other right now. We're going to put all the drama that comes with our names aside. And that is another perfect segue. Uh, you're so good. You're so good today. Um, <laughs> so for who we really are. So Juliet goes to America and she really uh, adopts American ways. And she 
so much so, and she keeps it up when she comes to Shanghai. So she wears the American flapper dresses. She does the the like pomade in the hair. She does the finger waves, um, like the makeup. Like she does all of that. She speaks English. Um, I am flabbergasted and like my jaw is dropping at the accomplishments of uh, Juliet and um, Kathleen and like like uh, everything that they can do. It's like what five plus languages plus like self defense. Plus just it's amazing. It is absolutely just astonishing. I'm so jealous of all their accomplishments. Like oh my gosh, and the and just the languages alone. To, to 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 interchange so you know oh do you prefer i speak in dutch then you have like you have the common language i think it was english that they would refer back to english when they're conversationally around each other or they would depending on who's around and you didn't want somebody to hear it was, it was russian shanghai they were speaking Shanghainese. chinese but shanghanese which was a specific dialect which i also thought that was really we were talking about how details and the descriptions throughout this whole book, you see little nuances um, referencing those, the Shanghainese referencing Chinese culture. And I think it's a beautiful thing that, you know, I can't imagine how people are, are, are reading this and reading it, feeling like they must feel so seen integrating their culture, very much like Bridgerton has recently with the Southeast Asian culture, um, specifically in Indian culture, um, having that representation, the same thing is happening here. And to just to be seen, that must be such a wonderful thing. And also to recognize Juliet's struggle here, right? Like, I am a very boring, like, white female. I do not have the struggles that Juliet has. But boy, do I relate to not fitting in anywhere I go. Like, this book does not have to be for me, for me to absolutely relate to this character. And Juliet says that she's, like, not Chinese enough for the Chinese, but not American enough for the Americans. Well, that is a very common struggle for a lot of people. So I'm sure a lot of people are able to relate to that aspect, even if other like aspects of what is going on in the story, like they didn't relate to, but that is really important for Juliet and for her character too, because she, she also kind of feels that way in the gang. Like she definitely wants to take over. She wants to, build it into like her own kind of thing but she also desperately wants like her family's approval and and she wants to keep everybody safe and like the gang is first um well that's one of the lines she goes she fears disapproval more than anything else like she doesn't she doesn't fear dying she fears being like the disapproval that comes with it and the frustrations were i I think there's something that references, you know, her time in America, but she feels like she's not able to also enjoy that time that she had now that she's in Shanghai because that diminishes her culture in a way, too. It's just those internal struggles that so many people must have. And also there's a scene where Juliet is at her house, but she's not dressed as a typical American flapper. She's dressed in like traditional like Chinese clothing because I think she was um, she was out like at uh, Jean Gutai's office and a, uh, a servant comes in and is like pass me that and she's she's like the the fuck the fuck are you on and he was <laughs> like no give me that she's like and she realizes that he doesn't recognize her in her traditional like Chinese clothing he only associates um Juliet in the like flapper costume so that I found was really interesting where Juliet kind of realizes that her power doesn't transfer like the power has to be her 
like all parts of her, right? Like it can't just be identified with like the flapper costume. It has to be all of her. And I thought that was really interesting because she stands up and she's like, no, fuck you. I'm going to press my knife to you and I'm going to let you know that you don't speak to me like that. And I, I did like that. Oh, that's so like, so I didn't make that, that connection. That's so insightful that she was just that scene. I just don't remember it, honestly, but <laughs> it took me a while to get into the book and that's probably why. Well, and you say it took you a while to get into the book. It took me a while to get into this book, too. Uh, I went to Reddit for this. Back to Reddit for me. And yes! I, went, yes, I can't I was, wait to get some Reddit links in here. Yeah, I, I went to Reddit. Just just generally, just generally. I just wanted to like kind of snoop on people and see what people have said. And um, as Reddit is, it's very split. Um, a lot of people really like this book, right? And a lot of people struggled so hard and a lot of people dnf this book and i went i went through those because i was like i want to see like why people like dnf this book and it was because it was slow because the first like they said the first like 70 i say they but like the average like post you know the people uh that i read said like 70 percent of the book was just like slow 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 world building and kind of like um and and i kind of feel this way um kind of worry travel repeat a a few times but i feel like you have to do that in a detective story like that is what a detective story is you're finding clues and you're worrying about them you're figuring out you're going to the place and you're getting it again you know with the war of two queens where you had said um that you had to shift your mindset from it being a romance to a geopolitical driven story i feel like you can argue that with this book where you can where you can say like easily because when you are pitching and telling people it's a romeo and juliet retelling and then you have this slow detailed world building and the retelling really only comes with the flashbacks here or there i can understand where you're like you told me it was going to be this one thing it's not yeah you know i can understand where that where that comes from and then a lot and also a lot of people were saying that the bugs were a big ick they they just couldn't and then a lot of people also were saying that just the timing of the release of this book kind of hits funny for them and they just can't pick it up and i respect that like i totally respect that opinion of course we respect like most opinions not not all some opinions (laughs) are wrong Uh, most opinions but um yeah, that 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 one. That one. The particular. timing is weird. I mean, granted, when she, you know, it when wasn't when she started. It, 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 no, it wasn't. Like it was. I think. I think it was twenty nineteen. She might have finished and like completed everything, um, but not December twenty nineteen. It was just like in you know in twenty nineteen, and then here you are. We're talking. You know, people are talking about vaccines and and the contagion and wearing gloves. And the father's like, "Well, is your mask on?" I go, "Are we sure we're in the nineteen twenties?" But then at the same time, like, yeah, the Spanish flu was going around in the nineteen twenties, so that makes sense too. Um, but it was, it was very. I don't think anybody intentionally puts this out here to manifest. Yeah, for real. No, I, nobody was manifesting. No. Uh, so let, let's get into this plot here. So Juliet is back from America. She's taking, you know, she's there to essentially kind of take over the gang, learn, learn from her family. It's not really happening. Her dad's kind of shutting her out and she's kind of having to do stuff on her own. And Roma is kind of in the same situation. And 
Um, and then our femme fatale, <laughs> Roma, uh, sees what what does he see he sees bugs there's bugs there's bugs and And shoes that are missing and then they find the three bugs i imagine them like they they, he brings them somewhere drops them in like a petri dish and he goes oh look if you zap one the others start doing like a little zappy dance (laughs) i'm trying to lighten it so i'm not so icked out um so then that's that's kind of like, okay, what's the connection? And that's where the wheels start turning. Um, because the correlation is, um, p- p- people are kind of, I want to say they're, they're unaliving themselves, but they're not. They're reacting to something in them that has them gnawing and pulling out their own throats and they're bleeding to death. Like, Blech. and then you find out the common denominator of all these victims are the bugs. Yes, the bugs. Um, the bugs, which are black and like what the size of a fingernail, and uh, it's gross, it's gross, it's gross. Okay, but um, so this is happening, and Roma is investigating it, and he, uh, you know, realizes that things are going on. He goes to uh, Juliet at her club, and they see each other for the first time, and he's like, "Yo, this thing is happening," and but of course, obviously, there's moments and tension and breathing and eye contact and oh I don't even care about that tingles. stuff. I don't think like, yeah, that's I, I was the least like, What's interesting. The plot? What's the plot here? And then somebody, and then right in front of Juliet, somebody um, who was infected from before um dies right in front of her, and then and then the plot really kicks off, and then it is the detective part of the plot where. The two of them, Roma and Juliet, get closer together and work to try to figure out what's going on. But they also realize that the the bugs aren't attacking like a specific demographic. That's when they realize, oh, your your gang isn't attacking us and we're not attacking you. Everybody's being attacked. Everyone is being attacked. So both gangs are being attacked. And while all of this is happening... The communists are like slowly rising to power, right? So there's like political uprising that is kind of like, I don't know, on the fringes that is like in the background this entire time, which boils over at the end. Uh, so I, you know, I really, really enjoyed, um, Lawrence and like going to see him and him like tinkering around. You know, I, I enjoyed that. And of course, that's how Juliet gets the, 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 what is it? It's not a potion. It's like a concoction, uh, to, to, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, the way that I have described this as a noir novel, um, like a, a film noir, uh, the, like Paul, Paul, we meet his father in the very beginning of this, right? And like all good detective, like crime procedurals, whatever, it turns out that Paul is the bad guy at the end. The white man is the bad guy, but we meet him first. <laughs> He's the first person that Juliet like comes in contact with and just, you know, just like in a crime procedural, everything else happens in the middle that makes us kind of forget about him, but he kind of stays on the edges. And then he turns out to be our big bad at the end, which is really, really, really interesting. And I love this metaphor of the big bad white man coming to fuck up everything. Because, of course, um, these white men are dangerous from Pocahontas is all of history. Full stop. That's That should just be. I love 
that that's the ongoing theme in this because I mean there there's a couple quotes. I mean, of course, you knew I was going to pull out the quotes for like here's here are my receipts, but. She, there's a thing, oh, where she dismisses somebody and her father's like, you cannot say things like that. It'll hurt his feelings. And she was just so like, are you fucking kidding me? She goes, it was the entitlement that drove these men forward everywhere they went. It's just entitlement. And Juliet responds with everyone gets their feelings hurt while he's here. He can experience it for once in his life. He doesn't deserve to have that power. It is not his right. Snap, 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 fucking snap, Juliet. You fucking tell him. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love all of Juliet's like little snippy bits. Um, but this whole, this whole thing with, okay. So let, let me see if I can, if I say it correctly, Jess, you tell me if I'm wrong. So we have Paul, the Larkspur. Yes. Who's the son of the, the guy from chap- the beginning yeah. guy. Yeah. Him. Um, Paul, his family, like Larkspur, the, that they are them, right? And they brought the bugs. They brought the bugs with them. And they wanted to kill the communists. But then they figured, fuck it. <laughs> Let's just go. So we can all make, like, a bigger bag, right? Well, I mean, and you even hear it. I mean, in the epilogue, he goes, it, you know, in the case of my death, release the Kraken. <laughs> yeah, Basically. release the Kraken. Yeah, all the bugs are gonna go. Uh, of course, they all do. the The book ends. Yeah, then screaming. they go and we hear screaming. <laughs> yeah, um, but oh, it's just yeah, it's just really wild. So like, he's the Larkspur. So Paul and his family, like, they are the Larkspur, and then they're working with Jean Kitai, who is the communist like leader, right? And then, um, so they're working together, and then Jean Kitai infected his. Like secretary, um, Kieran, Kieran, right? And then he, so he's the monster because he was an, he was like an old man. So he's the monster, and he goes out, transforms, and spews bugs out to infect everybody, and then comes back, right? And then the vaccine is being made, and they're making money off of the vaccine, and then giving it to people, giving it to some people, and then not giving it to other people. They're giving it to the people who can afford it. Right. The people who can afford it, they're leading them to believe that they're receiving the vaccine, but only giving them saline solution. There you go. There you go. So they're making their bag. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Big, big reveal there at the end. I did like that scene, too, like going up to that apartment with like the water coming in and like the water slowly filming up but there's like a, a lip over the door so it's it was good the insects come from the monster benedict said in a rush we saw it we saw it leap in the water and then he mimed an explosion outward the nonsense all makes sense now those who say that sightings of the monster create the madness are correct just not in the way we think the monster makes the insects the ins- insects make the madness and the madness is the contagion that has everybody like clawing at their life very good and if we and if we trust lauren's when we he says these insects operate identically to one another we assume they are all being controlled by one entity and that one entity is in fact the monster which is which is like the mother bug right Right. yeah the mother bug gross Gross. oh that reminds me of the the the, the the episode of buffy the teacher Oh, I was thinking of the episode of Supernatural. Oh. There's just so many like this. 
Roma's sister, Roma's sister is infected. And it is only when Roma's sister is infected that Juliet really like kicks in a high gear about um, kind of solving this. Um, I think well, that's Roma, really nice. Roma begs her to, yeah. to be like, and that I feel like you see, you see it happening lifetime because they say they look at her weird and she was scratching her head, but then she was pulling out chunks of her hair and they asked her if everything was okay. And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm fine. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. And then she's really the kind of like the only person who's caught the madness who survived at this point. Because they knocked but, her out in time. Okay. Yeah. That was the only reason. Like They, they, they were they, like, she has to stay in a coma, essentially. Yeah, so she doesn't hurt herself. Yeah. Which is like just, ugh, I, I can't get into details about it. It's just so gross. Um, but we haven't really talked about Roma. How do you feel about Roma? I feel like he is a... I'm going to say, like, he's a wet blanket. Not that in he brings, like, anybody down or anything. He was just, like, really bland to me. I, I didn't fall in love with him. He didn't woo me. Uh, he was just... He was there. Uh, you know, he, was, he was part of Marshall and Benedict's little trio to go out and solve the mystery. That's really what it was for me. I feel like he's kind of positioned to be, like, of the trio. He's kind of, like, the lead, obviously, because Romeo... Um, but he just wasn't giving it to me. Do I think what he sacrificed for to, he goes, you know, I, I kind of risk it all to make sure you live. That's sweet. We love a simp. Um, but he didn't stick with me. No, like, I, I mean, he could have been unalived and I would be like, cool. So how are we moving? I'm just so focused on the plot and the story and not the romance. Um, which is different for me, um, that I was just, like, indifferent. I, I really was just like, okay, cool, he's there. Oh, he didn't die. Okay. But what are we going to do about these people screaming now that the insects are out? Yeah, and how many? You know, like, how many? I I do appreciate I'm that. I'm imagining, like, because they use the line, a plague on both your houses. In my head, it's very biblical, locust-style plague that these have been released because you're hearing screaming from the entire city that that doesn't bode well like immediately too like immediately it was but i but what was the deliver like there's that's something also like kathleen slash celia in wants to make sure that juliet has this letter and the little delivery person was like i don't know i don't know she just you need to read this letter she insisted upon upon it she goes that's weird i just saw her but okay and it, it was a timing thing so it was oh is she involved because remember earlier in the book they talked about there is a spy mm-hmm in but it has it's not even like the people in the gang it is like the inner inner circle now i don't know now I'm like it was this one is, of the sisters. See, it's, it's one of them. Yeah, it has to. But you, you almost think it's Rosalind at first. So maybe, like, maybe, but maybe it is Kathleen slash Celia. But I know at one point when we were like in Montague POV, Montagov POV, <laughs> <laughs> they talk about like, oh, did we check in with our spies? But then with the reference of Juliet saying, this isn't just like regular gang members, like to have this information, it has to be the inner, inner, like family, basically, like the inner, inner circle. So maybe, I don't know. But then Kathleen, but then Juliet says, Kathleen, I need you to go and like talk to the communist like spies that we have. And Kathleen was like, 
um, cause, and then she goes, cause I know that you're like communist leaning and Julie and Kathleen is like, just because I know who our, our communist spies are does not mean that I'm communist leaning. It just means that I am on my shit. And it was just a, Respect. like, a def- yeah, like, yeah, I would do and say the same thing. Like, fuck you. This was my fucking task. Of course I know who they are. That that was just my take. But I, I love how just, just you know, women, right? Like, we love the women in this book. I mean, even when you had a bunch of people, I don't want to say the brothel, maybe, but what, you did have brothels, but then you also had, like, the dance bars, clubs. The burlesque, yeah. Bur- yeah, the burlesque, air, you know, buildings, stores, whatever you want to call them, um, where the where the women they they were doing something and the line and they're always strapped like they there was a line where they go they were instinctively pressing their hands to the line of their hips or the waist of their bands comforted by the presence of the weapons that they were hiding they're always ready they're always ready to kick ass they're always ready to protect themselves i love that for that <laughs> yeah they're all really capable right um, even it's it's uh rosalind that is the dancer yes is she the dancer? Yes. 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 Because she had like, she had, they talked about how she had like a day show, which was, you know, not as intense as her night routine. Right. Yeah. Um, I just, I just love them. I just, I just love all of them. They're just so great. I would love to see like more. I want more of that. I w- as we keep saying less, more, less romance, more plot, please. I, I would like to see more, more of this plot. I'm just, so interested to see where this is going there's like a tagline for this i believe it's like the liar and the lover so obviously i would say that um roma is the lover in that situation and juliet is absolutely like the liar just based on um her actions at the end of this book well they say that they how by the end of this book their roles had changed because when they first were together um, she, you know, she says, you know, she was in love with him. They were, it was young teenage love. Um, but it was a lie the whole time because she, because miscommunication, he like gave his dad all these ideas. They unalived a ton of people. And she goes, Oh my God, it was all a lie. He was just using me to get to my people when we know that that wasn't the case. But now the roles have flipped where now she is the liar. Um, because she loves him and her and Marshall even go like she goes, I rather she, you know, basically I would rather have him hate me and be alive than him knowing I love him and he's dead. So um, that'll be interesting to be like, OK, that's a duology. So we know that'll get wrapped up somehow. Um, the daddy issues. The from daddy both issues. of them. From, from everybody. Both, from from every you're right. From everybody. The daddy issues are just front and center stage here. It is wild, the daddy issues. Um something that I want to really kind of touch on is Juliet is fighting Tyler for the right to lead this gang. And you know, we support women. So fuck you, Tyler. But Juliet has to make that hard choice to save face at the end. And she has to save face in front of Tyler a couple times. Um, you know, Tyler is a pain in the ass and probably like dumb, but he, he, he's on his shit. He, he sees, you know, opportunity. He knows what's going on. Um, you know, 
But, you know, her dad does come through, at least in the beginning, because he knows this and also the fact that she's a woman. So you have the aunties and everybody who kind of keep like leaning towards Tyler because he's a man and like men should be in power. Blah, blah, blah. And he won't let them forget. This is my daughter. She's the heir. So whatever their father daughter relationship is, is strictly kept between them two because the percept- the perspective that they're positioning for the outside world is she's going to be the one who leads you next. Make no mistake about that. But And then Roma is having his own issues, too. Like, his dad does not, does not trust him, does not respect him, is pushing him out. Everybody sees it. And it's, it's this whole, it's this whole thing. So I... But it's not for, like, you know where, like, some issues can be, like, you're doing, like, the dad's doing all those things. And you're like, I gave you no reason to act like this. Roma's kind of like, well, you kind of put him in a position to be like that. Yeah, for real. For real. I mean, not that I'm like here to support toxic fathers at all. We're, we're, we're not, we're not talking about that, but if we're talking about a 1920s gang leader, <laughs> I can understand a gang leader being like, keep your dick in your pants. I don't fucking trust you. Earn it. I can, especially at that. 15. Like, yeah. I definitely was caught a couple times when I was that age and I had to earn the, you know, earn the trust back. back. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, my brother got to earn it back in a week and I had to take like months to, you know, forever to earn it back. Uh, as patriarchal society goes in a Hispanic household. Um, so that's super fun, but like, We've been, you're 15. Like, let's go back to it. You were 15. And maybe, like, it was the 1920s, so 15 then is different than 15 now, but I digress. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> 15 is 15. 15 is 15. Yeah, so, I don't know. It's uh, the, it's, it's the whole thing. I am just standing by my, my statement that if you took the framework of Romeo and Juliet out of this, I would enjoy it more. That is all I'm saying. That is all I'm saying. Ugh. Um. The monster here is a river monster. And I personally, this is just me personally, I really, really love um, Asian dragons. And I love the depiction of like Asian dragons. And um, when they were like, oh, it's a river monster. There's something in the river. It has horns. I was, I was like, oh, is it a river dragon? <laughs> I was really excited. But then we get it. You know, we don't, we get gross bugs. And I was like, no, they would never. <laughs> That is what I am assuming is the bug. I'm assuming it is not a magical, mystical water dragon bug. Tick. Parasite? No. I yeah. don't know. I think I think of chiggers, the, the bugs that go like under your skin or like ringworm and they're like moving. Like the, the visual was just not. No. You no, know, no, no. I did not want it there. She did. A, but that being said, she did a great job. job. Visual. <laughs> she did. Yeah, I she mean, did such a good job describing everything that i was right. grossed out yeah that's so, exactly like, that's, what it was so I'm like accolade. it's not anything about her if anything it's a testament to her writing yeah. we're like ooh, ooh. <laughs> um, something else that is a testament to her writing is the representation that is on display here we have really fantastic representation and representation that is given to us and presented in a non-exploitive like non like glaring plot gross thing it is just very natural very addressed moved on very lovely 
it's integrated organically because that's the, the that's the life that we live in, you know, now and then. We just t- are able to talk, talk about, about it now. It. Yeah, really, really great. Really At least fantastic. we're able to talk about it now in the respective places where we live. We understand that that's not the case where everybody is because we do know, you know, we have to acknowledge people are different, you know, not just within the states, but, you know, our international listeners, too. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. That's a very good point. That's fantastic. Uh, but really great representation. And I, I'm going to say diversity because there is some diversity here. Um, you know, there's the Chinese and the Korean and then, you know, the various different shades of palm colored people. And, <laughs> you know, that's all something. It's, it was just nice. It was nice to read a book that just wasn't set in, in, like England or America or like just white land. It was just nice to be somewhere else. Uh, I really enjoy um, Chinese like culture. So it was great to be here. Like, I, I just know. think of it like there's the quote where they say, no matter how much land we lose to the foreigners. And I like that the, the white man's the foreigner. I yeah. love that. It's I so love that. Cause they're, fantastic. Because honestly, like, they are like they're the ones who've like kind of taken over everywhere and kind of like oh here's my flag swing my dick it's mine now um because the line is like no matter how much land we lose to the foreigners gangsters are the most powerful force in the city not foreign white man and then juliet mumbles under her breath until the foreign white man start rolling in their artilleries (laughs) like ain't that the fucking truth or our diseases yeah but Julia is just so great because she's really aware of it. And that's something that I feel like Ro- Roma and Juliet kind of bonded over is they're both kind of like dreamers, right? They both see that their gangs are not sustainable for in the future, like market the way that they're being run and that it just, it needs to change. Like something has to give. They want it run differently. They want different priorities. They, they want to, you know, keep, um, I'm going to say China for the Chinese, but that, that's not, that's not. I know, I know you're not thinking of like noi for the noi. Yeah, that's, kind of not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm saying like you know, um, drive drive out drive out the white foreigner because that's really what it is. Like, give us back our give, give it give it back because it is the what is it the English the French, the French and the, the Americans right? Yeah. Oh right, because there's the the one they gave the one American guy. They were like, oh, we're not sure where he's from. Yeah, and then he had like some weird because we listened to it on the audiobook. Gave him some weird fucking accent that was supposed to be American. And they started talking about the pomade in his hair. And I go, oh, oh. I guess that's the American. Yeah. It's like, oh, there he is. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but that that was really nice, too. I, I really enjoyed this book. I am very excited to read the next one. And I went to the website of Miss Chloe Gong. And she has a Roma Juliet Christmas special up here. How about that? Yeah, and it is um it is quite long actually. Um it is Roma and Juliet being 15 and happy. This takes place oh. 4 years before the events of these violent delights. There are no spoilers, but if you haven't read the book, go read the book and then come back. Um, that is what she says. We'll have this link in the Aww. show notes. Um, I have. I love how the Christmas specials are always like even with Akathas. We're so like we sweet. love we love we love a Hallmark moment. <laughs> and it's it's nice that it's out there. We'll have it in our show notes. I did not read it because I wanted to stay like in the in the headset for this, right. but. Um, it's great that it's out there. That's so fun. I love when there's additional content because especially when you let, when you, when you just 
like characters or you like a writer and you just want like every little morsel. Um, that That's just, that's another, like, I think Anna Huang, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her last name right. She does that where you can re- read a book and read one of her books. And she's like, if you want an additional missing scene or like the details of the scene that were cut out, just subscribe to the newsletter. And then you just plug in your email address and you can get that extra chapter. Like, I'm like, great, that's so fun. And she's done it for each, like, the three books that I've read of her so far. Ooh, that's I mean, awesome. I wind up being, like, a really smutty scene, so, like... That's great! Oh, <laughs> right, I love, I love it. And, and Katie Roberts says it, too, with her newsletter. She's like, hey, if you're looking for more, just sign up for the newsletter and you will get more. She just plugs it out. Yeah, she's, she's like, very generous in her, in her newsletter. I love her. Katie Roberts. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, besides me... Wanting to emphasize my love of the political drama here, of the communists, of the gang, uh, you know, dynamics, the the pull and push between the scarlets and the white flowers and the background there. And um, like John Gutai and the newspaper and the uprising and the people and all of that. So the story. <laughs> yeah, but like that's not the story that people focus on. Right. You know, right. so like, but that's the story that I focused that's on. That's my, that's what I liked about this yeah. story. Once I shifted away from the romance, I was like, now I'm in it. Yeah. So like, this is a really, really solid YA murder mystery. Um it's it's good. It's different. It is something that um, honestly I probably won't read again just because of the the ick with the bugs. Uh, it's just not. It just wasn't for not me. because it's not good. It's not because, because of the yeah, ick. Not because right. it's not good. Just because like, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like it right. gives it gives me the the itch. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, that's the only reason. But um, absolutely would recommend this book. Really fantastic. Do you have a favorite? Like what's what, like, do you have a favorite part or do you have a relatable part? My favorite part was when Juliet was in her um, kind of like college, like Chinese college student kind of outfit. And she was walking like invisible throughout the city. And she just was kind of admiring everything and being like, yeah, I really love this. And like, I like the 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 bustle and and how, you know, the people getting haircuts on the street and the vendors trying to sell me stuff and people don't recognize me so I can just like be who I am in like the city without all of these expectations. It was like a moment of freedom. I really enjoyed that for her. Hmm. Yeah. So sweet. Did you? Um, I like the, I mean, I don't know. I like the ballroom scene because I just always love a ballroom scene with Roma's Tamlin hair and mask, wig and mask. Oh, I would pay money. I would pay money to see to see that. To see Roma in a bad blonde wig. I love a ballroom scene. I love, uh, you know, a masquerade. I've always wanted to be in one, so I think that's why I like it more too. Um, and then I was going back, like, what other things that have ballroom scenes? You have Crown of Midnight, right? Or was yeah. that in Throne of Glass, the first one? Throne of Glass was one. There was one in Assassin's Blade. The, was, I knew the Assassin's Blade. I knew the Throne of Glass. But there isn't one in Crowd and Midnight. Or is there? That's when she dances with Kale. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's when she dances with Kale. So then you have a Cinderella story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like, I always like a good ballroom yeah, scene. Yeah, good ballroom scenes. Mm. Bridgerton. We're fresh off of Bridgerton binges. Bridgerton. Yep. So that's what we got. We really liked it. We really enjoyed it. Can't wait to hear what y'all think. If you started it, if you DNF'd it, 
really would like would, would really like to hear if that's the case and why. So um, please feel free to reach out to us. You know, we're on Instagram, Akafe Podcast. We're also both on TikTok, Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. Uh, thanks for listening to us. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.